On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, the 20-inch wheels from one of the Model 3 Alpha prototypes may be returning for production. Autopilot hardware gets another upgrade. A Model S once again breaks the world record for furthest distance traveled in an electric vehicle on a single charge and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode number 106 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for August 13th, 2017. Uh, it is good to be with you here. Uh, and in fact, seemingly a lot of new folks joining the Ride the Lightning party as well. Hopefully get just giving the show a try and hopefully you'll decide to stick with it because the last two episodes since the Model 3 delivery event have been uh, two of my most downloaded ever, which I'm extremely grateful for. So thank you to, of course, to everybody who's stuck with me, who's been with me for a while uh, here, keeping up with the world of Tesla. And if you are new, if you're just checking it out for the first time, I hope you're going to stick around and uh, hopefully you are enjoying yourself. So no shortage of Tesla news once again here in the wake of the Model 3 delivery event as the cars uh, are starting to slowly trickle out in the, into the wild from, uh, of course, their new Tesla employee owners. They've They've been photographed a bit here and there out in California, out in the, the real world, and uh, and also release candidates continue to be photographed uh, running about, still doing testing of various sorts as well. In fact, that is where I want to begin because this one is very, very near and dear to me because those of you who have been listening for a little while, uh, or at least since the Model 3 reveal, know that I am extraordinarily fond of the 20-inch, now we know them to be called Sport, the Sport wheels that are shipping now on Model 3 in 19-inch form, but the silver Alpha prototype, the one they did they did most of the uh, promotional video and photography with and the one that, that really was the show car, that had those Sport wheels on it, but in a 20-inch variety. And I've talked before about how uh, how much I adore the look of those 20-inch wheels. And I thought, you know, the, the 19s are still nice, but they just kind of, eh, they, they don't, I feel like they don't kind of set off the car's aggressive look nearly as well. It's, it's crazy what a difference that one inch on the wheel makes. But good news for me and anyone else who may also be a fan of those 20-inch wheels, a Model 3 test car, uh, a, a non-production, we'll just call it a release candidate for lack of a better term, maybe it's an engineering prototype, who knows what it actually is, but a Tesla Model 3 uh, owned and operated by Tesla for testing purposes was spotted at a supercharger in Greenville, South Carolina, sporting the 20-inch sport wheels. Now, at first, I thought it might have been a test car that was testing out a smart air suspension because the photograph, the first picture, there were more pictures that surfaced the next day or two, but the first picture was a profile shot. So it was the car from the side. And what what I noticed in the picture, I was like, wait a second, this car has noticeably smaller gaps in the wheel wells in both the front and the back. So I thought, oh, is it just the smart air suspension and the car is, is squatting down in the low setting? But uh, it appears, in fact, uh, 
that know should take a closer look. Uh, my friend Trevor Page noting, hey, actually, those look like bigger wheels, 20-inch wheels, rather than the car sitting lower. And sure enough, I went and looked at a profile photo of one of the production cars that has the 19-inch versions of that exact same sport wheel and, and then looked again, you know, compared it to this release candidate with uh, the purported 20-inch wheels. And sure enough, there is a clear distinction between the two. Sub, and then su the subsequent photos that I alluded to a moment ago of the same car, it was a red uh, release candidate, at a different supercharger in the, in the same area, uh, they confirm that it is not a fake Photoshop job. You can see actually some, uh, some writing on the tires, like with arrows pointing to the wheels. So they're clearly testing them out. They're, they're, who, who knows what kind of test they're doing, but there is a, they're, they're focused. There is some clear work being done with those wheels. And again, considering that the 20s literally have not been seen since the Alpha prototype, i.e. they've never been spotted on any other release candidate prior to the car's release, this to me would seem to indicate that Tesla is testing them for future public release because why else would they be on the car? Why else would they have manufactured another set of them and thrown them on a release candidate if they didn't intend to make them. Now, I know that's it's not a guarantee. There could be, they, they might decide, oh, no, these make too big of a range hit. Or, I mean, that didn't stop them from putting 22s on the, on the Model X. So I think there is an extraordinarily good chance that these are actually going to get made, which thrills me because, I again, if you, if you get a chance to take a look at the picture, I encourage you to do so. And really, and, and just... Again, it's pretty subtle, but if you look at the car, it really sets off the car and, and it, the, stan the stance of the car and, again, the aggression, the, the, how aggressive the car looks. I really think those, that extra inch on those 20s goes a long, long way. And So that, that leads now immediately to, well, how much are they going to cost? My guess, and of course that's all it is at this point, is a guess. We know that the 19-inch sport wheels are a $1,500 upgrade over the 18-inch uh, aero wheels that, that come by default on the Model 3. So I'm going to just fathom a guess that the 20-inch sport wheels would cost another $1,500 over the sport wheels. So I think it's, it's going to be three grand if you want to skip to the 20-inch wheels off of, you know, from the, from the default. I mean, the to get 21-inch turbines on the Model S, it is a $4,500 upgrade. The upgrade packages, you know, a lot. Some of them are cheaper on the Model Three. If in this case, the wheels are a smaller size. So I don't know. That's I. If maybe I'm a little too uh, conservative on that. Maybe they're going to be a little more. But uh, I'm thinking, yeah, about three grand sounds about right. And just on that note, to continue this thread for one more minute, my guess now, if you are playing the waiting game for either dual motor or performance, if you are hanging back and trying to figure out what your budget's going to be, the good news is, of course, we, we know a lot. You know, the fully loaded car as is today in the long-range battery rear-wheel drive configuration 
is $59,500 before any tax incentives, which may or may not still be there when it comes time for Tesla to actually start shipping dual motor and performance versions. My guess, I've said this before, but I suspect that the dual motor upgrade will be about $4,000 on Model 3. Elon had said last year on Twitter that the dual motor upgrade would cost less on the 3 than it does on the S, and it's a $5,000 upgrade there. So thinking four grand for that, the aforementioned $1,500 on top of the 19-inch the $1,500 wheel upgrade for the 20-inch wheels. Uh, and then just, again, really just hazarding a guess on this, but I'm thinking maybe twenty grand for the performance upgrade, uh, which would take the car... If you checked every box, including full self-driving, which we've talked a lot about in the past when in the Ride the Lightning hotline, uh, you guys with your opinions and, and I share it myself, it's like, well, is full self-driving worth paying the $3,000 for up front when we really have just no timeline at all on when that money would start to get, start to get paid back in the form of the feature that you're paying for? But in any case, if you check every single box, including that $3,000 for full self-driving, my best estimate is that we're looking at $85,000 for a maxed out ludicrous Model 3. I, I've, uh, I actually made a little spreadsheet to, to help track myself and see you know, what, what other configurations would be possible and how much those would cost. And the other thing I threw on there was, well, maybe Tesla will do a spoiler for the performance as well. An optional spoiler because they have one on the S. Of course, with the X, it's built into every single Model X, so there's no extra cost there. But and I figure if Tesla does a spoiler, it's a thousand on the S. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it'll be five hundred on the three. It might not be a carbon fiber one. So, I'm you know my my best guess, best guess rather, not best guessed, <laughs> uh, is eighty five five if they do a spoiler with you know I, and I'm odds are I'm wrong there somewhere, but I'm hoping that that's at least in the ballpark based on everything I've I've studied and observed about Tesla and the Model Three. So um, plan accordingly if you are hoping to if you are planning to wait for uh, performance and or dual motor. Next up this week. Every single new Tesla, including all of the Model 3s, are now shipping with what was internally termed at Tesla Hardware 2.5 for Autopilot. Uh, they're In the sort of official acknowledgement of this, Tesla called it more like 2.1, just a slight revision, but Electrek deserves the tip of the hat here. They reported the new onboard computer updated to include a secondary GPU for more computing power that was added uh, to the fleet of cars that are being built starting now. And in a statement to Electrek, a spokesperson at Tesla confirmed the existence of the new hardware suite, but as as Electrek writes, they downplayed its importance, Tesla saying, quote, the internal name Hardware 2.5 is an overstatement, and instead it should be called something more like Hardware 2.1. This hardware set has some added computing and wiring redundancy, which very slightly improves reliability, but it does not have an additional Pascal GPU, which was in the original report. So, uh, 
before you even say it, because it was the first thing I thought of as well, Tesla did say that yes, they will upgrade every single hardware to car for free if necessary, which they don't believe uh, will be the case. They say, quote, we still expect to achieve full self-driving capability with safety more than twice as good as the average human driver without making any hardware changes to hardware 2.0. If this does not turn out to be the case, which we think is highly unlikely, we will upgrade customers to the 2.5 computer at no cost, end quote. That is the correct answer on Tesla's part, and that is why, again, I've said many times that they tend to do the right thing, in my opinion, more often than not, and here they are. They're good for them. They're getting right out in front of this and not leaving room for any spe- any speculation to run wild or, or any confusing or misleading statements. They state very, very clearly, we don't think uh, that... that this 2.5 will be required for full self-driving, but if it is, we'll, we'll uh, just re- upgrade the entire hardware 2.0 fleet, which is now almost, what is it, uh, what are we going on? Almost a year's worth of cars. So uh, we shall see how that plays out in the coming years there. Uh, yeah, it, you know, considering how many times Tesla has publicly talked about how hardware 2 is everything needed for full, for full self-driving, there would justifiably be a riot if Tesla tried to charge any more money uh, from people to actually get the hardware 2 up to snuff. So glad Tesla's doing the right thing on this, and it's uh, very cool that, ev- that all of our Model 3s will have this latest hardware in there. Next this week, EPA filings dug up by the uh, Tesla sleuths of the internet, reveal that the long-range Model 3 uh, seemingly has an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. But Elon then said on an investor call this week, which I apologize, there's no public recording of it, otherwise I would have pulled the clip and played it for you. Uh, He says that it was more like 75 kilowatt-hours and that the smaller pack, the standard pack, is, quote, just over 50 kilowatt hours. So I wonder if it's maybe, you know, because the, the EPA isn't exactly the National Enquirer. I mean, they're an official, you know, official regulatory agency of the United States government. So I wonder if it's 75 kilowatt hours that are usable or 76, you know, something like that, that are usable in the pack, but it is actually an 80 kilowatt hour pack. It also uh, not only explains why Tesla doesn't want to talk pack sizes anymore, because if it, if it is in fact bigger than the 75 kilowatt hour pack in the base Model S, uh, that would certainly not make a lot of people want to buy the Model S if, the, if the, they could get you know a bigger pack in a much, much cheaper car. But also, this could also explain why Tesla uh, is seemingly now shipping new Model S 75s with software-locked 85-kilowatt-hour packs. And I'll tell you, you know, the the 80, we've kind of been thinking 75. That's, Elon had said on Twitter, oh, you know, 75 is the most we can cram in there. I mean, if it is actually an 80-kilowatt-hour pack, even, even if only 75, 76 of it's usable, that's still a bigger pack than pretty much anybody guessed. So, 
very cool to see the long range Model 3. T Tesla is pulling no punches with that car from a range perspective. And then another quick note on top of this, another thing that that EPA filing revealed is that the rear wheel drive version of the Model 3, which is obviously the only version currently available, produces 258 horsepower from its motor. So uh, that is a pretty nice horsepower number for, for a, you know, a base $35,000 car. Although, you know, I, to me, feel free to disagree with me. I feel like in the electric age of cars that we're heading into, I kind of feel like horsepower is less and less relevant of a number. And, and I actually feel like that applies to the ICE world as well. Because technology is advancing engines, even you know beyond just electric vehicles, all the technology going into into uh, even internal combustion engines, you know whether it's shutting down cylinders at highway speed to you know increase fuel efficiency, which I know that has nothing to do with horsepower, but or you know tur turbos that that uh, increase horsepower or, or different tricks, you know obviously a lot of it's not just brute force anymore. The weight of a car is taken into consideration more than it used to be. So I kind of feel like horsepower as a, as a number in a vacuum has a little bit less relevance than it used to. So, uh, you know, 258 horsepower, okay. Um, it's really about how the car uses it. And obviously with a Tesla and with a Model 3, you are using it in an electric drivetrain that is giving you 100% of torque at zero miles per hour with no gears to shift through to burn time <laughs> shifting. So uh, it's putting those 258 horses to pretty efficient use. Elon also saying this week, model he thinks that Model 3 demand could reach 700,000 units per year. That would be crazy, but also awesome. You know, the early impressions, I won't call them reviews, but let's just say that the first test drive impressions from the both the mainstream and enthusiast automotive media of Model 3 have all been super glowing. You've probably seen a lot of them, and, and, and that's obviously a great start. That's a good sign. If the Model 3 really ends up becoming the iPhone of cars, where it is the catalyst for an actual shift in in mind share and of and of just state of mind of the average car buying consumer, then seven hundred thousand could absolutely happen on an annual basis. Though I wonder where they'd build them all, because they would need to have more production lines to build seven hundred thousand Model Threes in a year, and as of now. As Elon has recently reported, they're almost completely full in Fremont as it is. So I wonder if Tesla would possibly move the S and X to another site and make Fremont the Model 3 factory, or uh, maybe it would go the other way around where they'd have the, the premium vehicles that they're already building there, the S, X, and maybe the next-gen Roadster would happen in Fremont. And then maybe you'd build, you'd build a gigantic new separate plant somewhere to have the 3 and the Y, to have that family of vehicles 
built in one kind of, I won't call it a gigafactory, I'll call it a mega factory. Because of course the Model Y, Elon's already said they need a new factory just for that car uh, with the production expected there. And if you know we were to combine it with the this new uh, potentially revi- revision upwards on expected demand of the Model 3, I wonder if uh, one mega facility there could make sense for building the uh, off the Model 3 family of cars, the 3 and the Y. Also this week, Elon saying that he is sorting out the something special for day one Model 3 reservation holders that both myself and our own uh, Patreon producer, Alexi Heft, loyal listener to the podcast, have tweeted and gotten responses from Elon about. He wrote to somebody else this time. He replied to somebody else saying that he is, quote, working on it. Uh, though you guys know, that are, veteran listeners know that I my preference is to have the signature red paint option be made available to uh, to those of us with with that timestamp uh, reservation timestamp some in the first twenty four hours. I had some people yell at me on Twitter when I replied to Elon uh, throwing that out there, saying, "Oh well, in my country it was April first. Like, okay, I, I get it. It's you know what I meant. Let's relax." The first 24 hours, day one reservation. Uh, you know, I, you guys know I love Signature Red. If you've ever seen it in person, you know, it, it's a... Uh, of course, paint color is absolutely the most subjective thing on a car. So plenty of people don't want it. And again, in that same Twitter thread from this week, when, when I threw that at Elon once more, uh, boy, some, some people get really, like, strangely angry over another human being's impassioned suggestion for a thing. <laughs> I, I got, I was shocked. I know that, you know, I shouldn't be shocked at anything on Twitter anymore, which is sad. But yeah, some people were straight up angry that I, that I even suggest a, a, a paint color. But in any case, um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh it would sig red. I've said this before. It would be a neat way to electively choose if you wanted to, to signify that your car belongs to someone who got their reservation on that first day. And obviously, we know Tesla has the paint. All they have to do is is uh, crack open the supply and and uh, you know add it into the production line. But I also many a lot of people have suggested. Oh, you know. What about free unlimited lifetime supercharging for the 150 or so thousand day one reservation holders? I sure wouldn't mind that. Uh, I'd rather have the the paint, honestly, uh, because I'd get to look at that every day versus the free supercharging. But, you know, free unlimited lifetime supercharging, Tesla's already using it as an incentive. They're already using it as currency. And it wouldn't monetarily cost Tesla too much. So it's it's feasible, but really, uh, and I say this to, to myself and everyone else too, I think realistically, it's probably going to be something much, much simpler. And I think a lot of us kind of maybe need to dial down our, <laughs> our expectation for what this is. You know, it, maybe it's going to be a poster. Maybe it's going to be a travel bag that fits in the frunk. Which, hey, any 
literally anything is fine. I just want the car. You know, anything else is a nice bonus. And but you know, unfortunately, some some people, not you folks, because uh, I've, I've I've heard enough from you guys over the last two years of doing this podcast, either via email, Twitter, or or the uh, Ride the Lightning Hotline, that you're all awesome people, judging from the quality of your calls, emails, and tweets. I don't expect uh, you folks are in the in the group that are that are getting their expectations a little too far out of control on this, but it's probably going to be a small little token or trinket of some kind, and hey, anything would be awesome. Uh, and anything on top of the, the great car that it appears we're all going to be getting uh, would be great. Final story this week. I want to tell you about the Tesla Owners Italia group. The Italian Tesla Owners group has beaten the recently set record for furthest distance traveled on a single charge in an electric vehicle, and they did so by a pretty healthy margin. So their new record is 669 miles and some change, or 1,078 kilometers. As you'd expect, they did it in a 100D Model S, and the previous record that uh, was, was set recently, remember I talked about it not too long ago, was 560 miles, uh, and th- so this is beating that by over 100 miles. Unfortunately, I'm not entirely sure as to their method. They did post a video on Facebook, uh, but they didn't really give a lot of details. They all, What you could see in the video is that they had other club members running ahead of them as, I guess, what, the opposite of chase cars. They'd be like lead cars. Uh, what's Whatever the car... What's that? The, they usually use Corvettes at the uh, at the what the Indianapolis 500 to I forget what the heck those things are called. <laughs> somebody will somebody will remind me, but kind of like those. So they did have S's running in front of them uh, during during this. But uh, very curious to see to hear what their method was because again I said this last time when the record was broken. Casey Spencer, whom uh, I forgot to mention, I actually ran into. At the Model 3 delivery event, it was great to see him. He is my Iron Man. He may not officially be the record holder anymore, but Casey Spencer gets bonus points because he did it. He set the record in his uh, 90D Model S. He did it alone and on a continuous stretch of road, not a circuit or a sort of a loop. He did it on a continuous stretch. He mapped it out, figured it out, and then held his bladder for 26 hours. So Casey Spencer is still my hero in the uh, hyper-miling department uh, of, of electric vehicles. So hats off to you, Casey. But still, but seriously, but good. I mean, it's hats off. Kudos to the, the uh, uh, Italian Tesla owners group as well for, you know, for mapping this out, figuring it out, and getting just such an incredible... Number 669 miles. That is, that's actually exactly twice as far as the car's EPA rated range. It's 335. So it's like exactly within, <laughs> within less than a mile of, of doubling the rated range. So uh, good job to the Tesla group in Italy. All right. Uh, That wraps it up for the news this week. I'm going to come right back, and guess what? 
a whole bunch of awesome phone calls from you guys in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. Time for your calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. This is where you ring me up with your questions, comments, discussion topics, all of course pertaining to the world of Tesla. And you can do that by recording something right into your smartphone and emailing me the file, teslapodcast at gmail.com is the email address to send those to. Alternatively, you can use the very quick and easy to use Ride the Lightning hotline, which is a toll-free number, 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Logan in Jacksonville, who uh, has a a uh, interior-exterior little color combo question. Well, maybe a little subjective, but let's see if we can help him out. Logan, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Logan from Jacksonville again here. And I just called in with the interesting question because I've never seen it personally. Uh, I'm curious. Um, I want to get the black Model 3, but um, the white interior looks really good. Does the white interior look weird on dark cars when you're standing outside of the car? Does it kind of contrast in an interesting and odd way that you wouldn't find desirable? I know that these things are very subjective, so uh, it's probably up to personal opinion, but I was just curious if you had one on that. And uh, I also wanted to say I really enjoyed having Trevor on the last podcast. You do a great job by yourself, but if you mix it up with the guests every once in a while, I think we'd all really like that because they do a great job. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Logan. And yes, I enjoyed Trevor on this show very much, too. We had a good time together. As to your question, while you are right that it is absolutely subjective, I personally think, with that in mind, I think that the stark contrast of the white seats popping off from a black painted car exterior looks awesome. I've had a chance to see that on many occasions. It's, that's the, probably the, one of the biggest benefits to living uh, in Tesla home home territory here in the Bay Area, I get to see a lot of Teslas. Period, which means I see a lot of different configurations. And yeah, the the white interior, black paint looks fantastic in my opinion. In fact, that kind of contrast is one reason that I want to pair my red Model Three with a white interior because it's that same kind of contrast. In my opinion, the the white interior really, really pops off of the red paint nicely when you're looking at it from the outside. I mean, I like white on its own, but, and then of course, when you're inside your car, you're really only seeing the interior and not so much the exterior. But uh, yeah, like I said, I've seen it a million times and I think it really looks fantastic. So I think you are probably, hopefully, going to love it. Next up, our friend Lawton in Chicago commenting on the updated delivery timeline of dual motor. You remember it was moved up a bit there after the, uh, the initial uh, posting of that, of that FAQ page, FAQ page. So let's hear from Lawton. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Want to comment on the updated delivery time frame for dual motor Model 3. Originally, Elon was predicting around January to start production. However, per the delivery estimator, it looks like the soonest will now be July 2018. 
As a morning day one reservation holder in Chicago, my estimated delivery is starting in September. The concern, of course, is who will be eligible for the full federal tax credit. I hope that Tesla will attempt to maximize the number of customers that qualify by timing deliveries across the mark in quarter two, meaning that sales through the end of September will qualify. The question is, if you select the dual motor model and later change your mind to go for the rear-wheel drive version to try to maximize the tax credit, how does that affect your place in line? Another factor to budget for is that for early dual motor models, Tesla may require the purchase of the long-range option and or the premium package. Personally, I feel the wait for the dual motor model is worth it for the added performance and improved handling. However, the ability to drive a base Model 3 in January 2018 for around $28,000 after a federal tax credit is amazing value and tempting. Keep up the great work. Look forward to your thoughts. Lawton, I want to cut to the question that you had in there, which is about whether or not Tesla will force the initial dual motor buyers to also have the long-range battery and or the premium package. I don't think that's going to be the case, and here's why. Uh, I have sort of a, my own thoughts on it, and then I have a much more concrete bit of evidence for you. So my thoughts are the production ramp is all about adding options as they go. So I think that by the time they're producing dual motor cars, they'll already be offering base model cars and multiple interior options. Now, we know at least black and white interior. So I think you're going to have more flexibility in your configuration by then. I, again, I could be wrong, but I feel pretty good about that based on everything Tesla's been saying. And here's the, the other part of uh, what I was alluding to a moment ago. If you log into your My Tesla and you go to that reservation FAQ page that gives you your delivery estimate window, when you see, when you look at uh, dual motor all-wheel drive over there on the right side of the screen, it says standard battery or long-range battery. So it's, it does makes it pretty clear that you're going to be able to choose either one with uh, to, to put dual motor on either one of those at the time of your order. So uh, I think that's a, that's as good a sign as any right there. Next is Kurt from Belgium who has a really, really good point slash question that I had not even thought of with regard to the huge increase in production and production volume that Tesla is undertaking right now. Kurt, go ahead. Ryan, this is Kurt from Belgium. I'm calling with a question. So 5,000 cars a week will be delivered in... December. I wonder how they will charge all those cars. Will they charge them at the factory? Will take a long time, I think. Or will they be charged just a little bit? Be delivered to the Tesla shops and there they will be charged fully until so they can be delivered to the customer. Or will there be a super version 3 supercharger so they can charge it lots faster for the delivery so that's my question love the show uh, looking forward to your answer bye this is a great topic kurt i hadn't even really thought about this before so that's i love this phone call from you 
Uh, I think it's going to have to be a combination of everything you just said. I think some of the cars will just get supercharged at the Tesla factory. Almost certainly those cars belonging to customers who are taking factory delivery because they're going to come right to the right to the factory to get the car. But I think most will probably get charged up at the local delivery center where the customer is going to be picking the car up. Also, my my understanding from reading reports from new owners picking up their cars, uh, not Model 3s, mind you, but just Model S's, is that the cars don't always get delivered with a full charge. So uh, you should probably be prepared for that possibility, not to have a full battery when you pick up your car. Um, it's possible. I'm not, not saying it's going to happen, but... Uh, yeah, it's you're right though. That is a lot of extra juice to to, to plug in five thousand cars a week that you're producing versus the you know thousand a week, twelve hundred a week that Tesla makes now. So uh, yeah, they're they're going to need some extra power come December, uh, and it, when when they say they're going to get to that five thousand cars a week, and then obviously into 2018 and beyond when they're at 10,000 a week and more. Next up, Matt from Bowling Green, Kentucky, calling in about the Model Y. Uh, He wants to talk about Model Y reservations, so let's do just that. Matt, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Matt from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I was calling about uh, the Model 3 and Model Y reservations. So um, I'm looking to get a Model Y, and... um, when you were talking about reservations and lately you've been, you know, the big thing is like, how early did you get your reservation in? And so I was thinking that, you know, for the model Y, I want to get my reservation in as early as I can. Um, well, I started thinking, um, you know how there's a lot of, um, ways to disrupt the queue for model three, where, you know, if you're an employee, you get priority. If you are a previous Tesla owner, you get a priority. If you're West coast, you get priority. I would assume the same things will happen with the Model Y, um, but I was thinking about something uh, a little bit different that could also mess with the queue as well. And you were talking about um, the strain that um, the reservations are having on uh, Model 3 and how there's so many and how it's going to take a while. And people are complaining that you know their delivery date is next fall, or um, I don't think I've seen anything as far as the spring after, but, um, you know, that's a possibility. But, um, so I was thinking that maybe Tesla might, um, offset that or kind of help that strain by, um, giving priority to model three reservation holders to model Y. So, uh, say for example, you want to move your reservation from a model three to a model Y. Well, then you get to jump the queue from someone who doesn't have a reservation at all. Um, so, just want to get your thought on that, see what you think, see if that's something that Tesla might um, do, and uh, just want to get your feedback. So uh, you're doing a great job. Keep up the great work. Bye. A couple of thoughts here, Matt. First, I don't think Tesla is going to give priority to folks transferring their Model 3 reservation over, and for one reason I think that. It's because Tesla's already spent months, months, over a year in fact, trying to convert Model 3 reservation holders into Model S customers so that they can get those people's money into their bank account. You know, converting them from a reservation, a $1,000 reservation, 
to an actual sale. So I, I just don't see Tesla incentivizing people to further delay the day that those reservation holders get converted into an actual sale by letting them transfer their reservation uh, or incentivizing them to transfer their reservation over the Model Y. Also, I think we can reasonably assume that Tesla is going to be much better prepared for Model Y than they were for the absolute crush of demand that they got on March 31st with the Model 3. So uh, I think we can expect a smoother process with hopefully shorter wait times on the Model Y once production starts. Thanks for the call, Matt. Next up, Kyle from New Jersey. Uh, He's calling in on his way to work, which is at the Tesla store, which is fantastic. He has some comments on that interior-facing camera that we learned about in the Model 3 from last week. So, Kyle, take it away. Hey, Ryan. It's Kyle from New Jersey, actually on my way to, uh, uh, you know, my shift at Tesla. Um, So, just so you know, even though I am working there now, I still listen to your podcast to get a lot of my news about the company. So, just, just to give you an idea of how valuable your information really is. Um, just paused at the part where we were, uh, discussing the interior facing camera on the three. And I was just talking about, uh, this with somebody the other day. And I think that there's a chance in the future, it may be used, um, in conjunction with, uh, face recognition, like some phones have now. And I feel like that'll help a lot when we get to the Tesla fleet and the network. Because instead of having to worry about how people are going to get into your car and use it while it takes them somewhere, it will only take them where they need to go if it's the face of that person that has, you know, scheduled to use your vehicle. So, uh, yeah, just a thought. I hope that does happen because that'd be a super cool thing to have in your car. So, all right. Thanks, Ben. You're a smart man, Kyle. And I happen to think you are absolutely right on this. Uh, Theoretically, this could also be used with the actual owner of the car or owners, you know, if you have a maybe, you know, husband, wife, whatever, the, the whoever owns the family that owns the car, the, of uh, having that camera be used to log you into your car when you sit down and load your driver profile just by recognizing your face. The car, obviously, they already support that. You can have multiple driver profiles in there, but I could totally see them using facial recognition to do that uh, much more quickly and easily with that, with that uh, interior-facing camera. So thank you, Kyle. Uh, we'll go to Mike from Charlottesville. He's a very regular caller. We all know and love Mike. He actually has a question not so much for me, but for current Tesla owners, specifically those of you in cold weather winter climates. Mike, the floor is yours. Hey, Brian. This is Mike from Charlottesville again. So I know a lot of listeners are Model 3 reservation holders and may not be Tesla owners themselves. So I want to kind of pose this question to you and any Tesla owner that may be listening. In cold weather climates, what kind of uh, percent loss on the battery would you expect to receive in cold weather climates, like harsh winters, maybe 20 degrees or below? Um, Because obviously that's going to factor into everybody's purchase um, and to know that information is going to be valuable to everybody. So thanks very much and talk to you soon. Bye. Well, as, as uh, Mike noted, I very much welcome Model S and X owners to call in on this, but I have read a lot of threads, so I'll just start the conversation here. 
I believe the range penalty, depending on how cold the weather is, can be anywhere from 25% on up. Like it is, to my understanding, it is a substantial penalty. Uh, obviously, if there's headwind, cold wind, that makes it even more difficult. But just the just the sheer temperature alone can have a, a pretty substantial impact on on the range of the car in uh, in that cold weather. Next up, Harry in Fort Worth, Texas, thinks that uh, we are seeing Tesla adjust the wait times in that uh, reservation FAQ page I mentioned a few minutes ago. Harry, please explain. Hey, Ryan, this is Harry in Fort Worth, Texas. First off, I want to say thank you for the podcast. I've been listening for a couple months now and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, second, I wanted to kind of follow up on something that I heard uh, just in this last show that just occurred to me, you know, talking about what if 100,000 of us were waiting on dual motor all-wheel drive, which I'm right there with you waiting on performance, really keep my fingers crossed on that. Uh, but how would they adjust the delivery times if, you know, all of us wanted dual motor all-wheel drive? Well, it occurs to me that that's exactly what we're seeing on the website. You know, everybody that's got a reservation is clicking one of these three boxes of first production, standard battery, or all-wheel drive. Don't you think that Tesla is using that feedback to determine, you know, how they're going to change the production ramp? And wouldn't you think that a bunch of us clicking on dual motor all-wheel drive is probably what drove the change uh, that just happened where, you know, like my reservation for all-wheel drive just changed from, I don't know what it said before, November or something was the earliest. Now it's down to July through September uh, here in Texas. And I was a, a day one reservation holder. So, I uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. It seems to me that this feedback loop is what they're using to determine how they change the ramp. And I think the more of us that click on dual motor all-wheel drive, maybe the earlier uh, the, the first ones will go out. Because if those were not a choice, if they were some kind of production limitation, then why would they even have us click these boxes? That's not – there'd be no value in that, right? And why would they be looking for the feedback? So those are just my thoughts. Anyway, man, keep up the great work. And uh, much appreciated. And uh, like I said – uh, keep my fingers crossed that someday you and I can uh, race our performance Model 3s against one another. Bye-bye. Yeah, you're you're probably right about that, actually, Harry. It, it may not necessarily be 100% attributable to that, but I'll bet it's a factor because it might also be based on Tesla's own internal timelines and their own internal estimates improving and getting more accurate. But, you know, we <laughs> we could all run an experiment. If everyone listening to this podcast changes their preference to dual motor, I wonder if we could move the needle on that delivery estimator at all for dual motor. Uh, obviously, no, we're not, we're not all going to do that, but it would be a heck of an experiment to run. Thank you for that call, Harry. Uh, two more calls this week. First up before we go is uh, Brian in Minneapolis, who uh, has some thoughts on dual motor and interior options. Let's go to Brian. Thanks for taking my call, Ryan. This is Brian from Minneapolis. I have my delivery window for the initial configuration between November 2017 and January 2018, and I've talked myself into not needing the all-wheel drive. I'd rather get the car sooner. Uh, regarding that delivery window and, and the initial configuration, I'm wondering if you have heard whether any other interior colors will be available or have been spotted. I'd really rather get a lighter, uh, maybe the white, rather than the dark or black. 
And the other question is about the wheels. Um, I actually don't mind the look of the aero wheels, um, but I've heard that they are some kind of a wheel and hubcap arrangement rather than a, a regular alloy rim. And I'm wondering if you've heard anything on that. Look forward to any information you can provide. Thanks. Hey, Brian. Yes, white interior is coming this fall. Uh, pretty much any of us that aren't Tesla employees should probably have white as an interior option uh, by the time we're set to configure and, and finalize our orders. So, uh, yeah, you should have that option. Again, I, it, to me, it looked awesome in the prototype, uh, and you can, you can see pictures of it as well. And uh, to your other question about the aero wheels, the community, the Tesla community, has, has uh, debated and discussed this a lot. And the community seems rather certain that the aero wheel is indeed a hubcap rather than a wheel. I do agree, by the way. The, the evidence seems to point to that. So that cap may be able to come off, but I just want to be crystal clear, we do not have 100% confirmation on that just yet. Uh, you know, a lot of, if you remember way, way back when the, the uh, release candidates first started getting spotted in the wild, there were, uh, I had described it as sort of an asterisk design wheel where the whole thing uh, looked like an asterisk. And it's possible that is the wheel that's underneath the arrow cap, but it's also possible that that's just a generic 18-inch wheel the Tesla was using for testing purposes and that the arrow wheel is in fact a wheel. So again, we don't have 100% confirmation on it yet, but I will, I will update as soon as I hear anything because that is relevant information to some folks. Thank you for your call, Brian. Let's wrap it up with uh, just some, I, I almost didn't want to play this because I didn't want to seem like I was just, you know, <laughs> stroking my own ego here, but I, I, have, I had no other way to acknowledge to say thank you to Tom from Indiana for this very, very kind call. So let me just wrap up with some kind words from Tom. Uh, here you go. Uh, hey, Ryan, this is Tom from Indiana. Uh, I just wanted to congratulate you and thank you for uh, your last podcast. Uh, I felt it was probably the best one that I've listened to so far. Um, your breakdown of the Model 3 uh, event, and more importantly, the uh, second quarter uh, call with Elon and the executive team was just outstanding. I uh, love the uh, actual voice uh, clips that you got in there, the audio clips. Um, you know, hearing Elon just brings everything to life versus somebody just reporting on it. Um, so, uh, keep up the great work. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I love the news on the model three, even though I am a S owner and, uh, uh, looking forward to future podcasts. Thank you very much. Tom, you've, you genuinely made my day with that call. And, and I'll tell you just from a personal perspective, those are my favorite episodes too. I, I probably spend, I easily spend at least twice as much, if not three times as much time preparing those episodes, but they are always worth it because I just love being able to almost pretend like Elon is on the show. 
I just, you know, I feel like it makes it feel more like a, a real radio show when it's, you know, playing clips from Elon and, you know, it's it's almost becomes a little bit of a discussion. So uh, I, remember, I, I listen to those entire conference calls, those entire analyst calls that are usually like an hour and 10 minutes, hour and a half long so that you don't have to uh, serve in the people. But uh, anyway, no, thank you, Tom, for those super kind words. I really appreciate it. Again, if you want to call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline, I will say there were a number of other great calls this week that I just felt like I uh, didn't have time to, to wedge in or else we would have been here for another hour and a half. So uh, if you called in last week, there were many of you, and you did not hear your call, odds are it is probably going to the Patreon-exclusive bonus show that uh, I do once a month for the $10 and up Patreon backers. So uh, look for that. Those, uh, those, those will hit once a month, usually the beginning of the month. In fact, the August episode, for those of you who uh, are uh, Patreon supporters, that is up right now if you want to take a listen to that bonus episode. And if you want to call in, please do. Again, I encourage everybody to utilize that Ride the Lightning hotline, whether you want to use that toll-free number or just use your smartphone and email me the file. So again, you can email me. Uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com with the audio recording from your smartphone, or you can call in, leave the message on the Ride the Lightning hotline, 1-888-989-8752. Your Tesla comments, questions, and discussion topics. We'll, of course, do the Ride the Lightning hotline next week as we do almost every week. All right, be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. I mentioned the Patreon a minute ago. I'll uh, I'll just give the quick link here. If you do very much enjoy the podcast, you get a lot out of it, you might want to consider supporting me on Patreon. I would certainly very much appreciate even the consideration. And you can uh, research that consideration on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, pretty much how it sounds. Uh, I'll say thank you to the Patreon producers, the very kind folks who support me at the $20 level or higher every month. They are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Miracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Charlie Payne, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, and Sean Fournier. Thank you all so much. If you're in the market for Tesla accessories for your car or yourself, check out abstractocean.com. And when you're done shopping there and you're, you're in the uh, checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST as all one word, RTL podcast, and you will get 20% off of your order there. Uh, oh, if you're buying a Tesla, get $1,000 off and free unlimited lifetime supercharging courtesy of uh, we're using Gordon from Hawaii's referral code and his code, uh, which you just punch into your web browser. You type in ts.la slash 
Gordon1872. And again, that's $1,000 off of your, your Tesla purchase as well as that free unlimited lifetime supercharging. Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, again, you can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And most of you hopefully already subscribed to the podcast, but maybe if, uh, if you're one of the newer listeners from the last couple weeks since the Model 3 delivery event, just subscribe. It's easier that way. Then the podcast downloads to you automatically without you having to seek it out. You can subscribe on most major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or uh, you can pick up the RSS feed as well, or grab individual MP3 downloads at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. All right, that wraps it up for me here on episode number 106. Another fun one, another great week. Exciting week of Tesla news, lots more to chew on. Uh, the, the countdown is on now till uh, a lot of you folks start getting your Model 3s here. We're, we're into August. Some of you have looked, you know, I think the earliest estimates for some of you West Coast Model S or X owners, uh, you might see your car as soon as I think it was uh, either September or October, right? So we are getting there. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be really fun when you guys start to get your cars and and you guys start calling in on the hotline with your impressions and uh, it's that's gonna be I can't I can't wait to hear the joy in your voices like that is gonna be really really fun. But in the meantime, I'll be with you here each and every week. New episodes drop Sundays at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and uh, until until next week, then. Happy electric motoring. See you next time.